What is up, guys? Welcome to an off-season edition of the Got Next podcast. We're in season four. We haven't done this in a while, um, so we may be a little bit rusty here. But my name is Rafa, joined by my trusty co-host, Carlos. How's it going, sir? It's good to be back. It's been, what, four months? I think a lot of things, a lot of things happened for us. Yes. I got married. You moved. Yeah. <laughs> I got my green you card. Moved. You got a green card. You yeah. went to Manila. Yeah, I went to Manila, went back to Indiana. Wife and I to went Japan. to Manila again, then Japan. And then I moved across the country from Indiana to Florida. So I live in Florida now. Um, no longer have a vitamin D deficiency. That's fantastic. You can watch the Tampa Bay Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> I low-key. So Orlando, the Magic are about like two hours away. I don't know if I'll ever... I'll probably watch a game or something. But that's a suck. If the, but, if the Heat make the finals again, you got to go watch. I don't know how far you are from, from Miami. Like four hours. For a finals game, come on. <laughs> yeah, okay, a finals game. I may consider doing that. But yeah, I am now in what, the Sunshine State, I guess that's what it's called. Sounds better than Indiana already. It's definitely better than Indiana. There's actual people my age that I work with. Um, like in my new job so far, it feels like the Philippines. It's hot and humid. So <laughs> I feel right at home. Um, and we actually have friends and family here. So it's good to be. It's just nice to have kind of, you know, have freedom to not be stuck in Indiana on a work visa or something. It's great. Congratulations on the move. Yeah, and Life congratulations on... You well <laughs> yes, so far it is. And congratulations on uh, on getting married. Your your wife, your wife. Now yeah, my wife. Still getting used to it. with you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> my wife. Yeah, it's been a... It's been, a, it's been good. It's been good. Um, She's still adjusting to living here, coming from Manila, but I think making it work. We still oh, have yeah. roommates. For now yeah you know. well it is what it is we're still young and don't have money so <laughs> yep so grandkids coming soon so, or okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know your mom is asking you so yes <laughs> probably came that the night of the night of your your wedding <laughs> Yeah, no, they, they, the, the request came very, very quickly. Oh, it's not even, it's a request. <laughs> from both, from both, uh, from both parents. Oh, well, you would, you would give them their first, so I can see. It. <laughs> yeah, actually for both, both, both sets of parents, this would be their first grandchild. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so. Because we haven't done a podcast episode since March, we didn't, we covered none of the playoffs because all of this stuff, you know, big stuff happening in our lives happened right before the playoffs. And um, we were talking about, we were following. We were just, yeah, we were we just following. Have time. Yeah, just no time to, to talk about it. And um, this is kind of like the first, I've only been in Florida for two and a half weeks. So this is kind of the first time I've been able to settle down. So, we thought it would be a good idea to kind of do a JJ Reddick type of draft of 
our favorite moments, games from the 2023 NBA playoffs. Um, so yes. do you want to go first? Should I go first? Um, you can, you can go, you can do the honors. All right. You just moved. <laughs> Moving gifts. <laughs> Housewarming right. present. Sounds good. Number one pick. As so long as you say, don't pick the one I want, I'm pick number one. Okay. So <laughs> this may, this may sound really bad considering the, the final outcome. The first one I'm going to pick is the Celtics nearly pulling off a series win down 3-0, especially oh. with Derek White's put back game winner in game six. And this happened while I was in Narita Airport in Japan on the way home, on the way back from the Philippines to Indiana. So that's, yeah, that's, that was your number one, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, that, well, particularly it was that, it was that, it was that buzzer beater. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, particularly that buzzer beater. Wait, did you find out about it? If I remember correctly, I was messaging about it. You found I got, out about it when you landed, right? I got 20 messages from you. Um, like each one was like one or two words like, oh my God, oh my fucking God, holy shit, holy shit, Derek White. Oh my God, I can't believe what I just saw. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait, wait. I gotta, I gotta find the place with Wi-Fi and watch this. It was, that was crazy. So I, I eventually watched the 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 second half of that game and oh wow that was that was amazing so that's that's easily my number one yeah the celtics lost um but you know um all things considered new coach um maybe some some bad shooting luck but also we just didn't execute you know they were such an annoying they were such an annoying watch the whole very annoying watch whole playoffs just very inconsistent but the hope is that, you yeah. know, with Missoula having a full offseason to prepare stuff, because um, I pretty frequently saw they weren't running a lot of sets. And that's fine, but, you know, it, it's, it's nice to run a few things to get organized. And when you run so much random, it's clear, like, okay, Missoula really didn't have a chance to prepare because of the whole Ime Udoka situation. So I'm a bit worried that he's really, like, sticking to his guns, though, with, like, the over-reliance on the three. Um, yeah, yeah. They're really like hit or like their game. The game, whether they win or lose, really depends on that for for the most part. Ironically, okay. though, that game six they didn't shoot that well. But yeah, ironically. But yeah, so yeah, that's my uh, that's my number one. Yeah, what a game winner! Just, that had that probably was that probably was, especially considering our biases. That definitely should, <laughs> that yeah, is a fitting number one. One hundred percent. All right. So with the second pick, you would go. Okay, I'll just I'm gonna pick a Laker moment here, and it was the uh, the buzzer beater of Austin Reeves from half court over against the Warriors in Game Six. Kind of like a culmination of his, like it just a it, it was uh what's it called? He's playing so well in the playoffs, and I think that was just like one moment to like represent how much he's improved, and like he's basically the Lakers like third best player. At this point, yeah, absolutely. This playoffs, yeah, and he he was great, and we beat the Warriors. That was the closeout game. Austin yeah. Reeves, one of my one of probably the favorite Laker fan favorite for sure. Oh yeah, he's definitely a fan favorite. I think Austin Jordan Poole getting out of the way on the shot. <laughs> Austin Reeves in the second half 
of this season was really good. And I think if that's the Austin Reeves you're going to get next year, then the Lakers are in really, really good shape. And I'm glad that they did not make the Alex Caruso mistake a second time. Yeah, I'm so happy they resigned him. But yeah, I wanted to pick a Lakers moment as well somewhere here. So this is the one I picked. Gotcha. I don't want to pick LeBron going, getting hot. And playing all 48 minutes again, game four, and only to get blocked in the end. So <laughs> against, the, against the Nuggets. That's a pretty good one for me, I will say. Um, <laughs> let's see. Okay, for my next pick, I'm gonna go with um Nikola Jokic. You know, finally getting the credit he deserves, winning a title, finals MVP, just absolutely dominating the NBA finals. Um and this is kind of a culmination of everything. You know, the last two seasons have been kind of a roller coaster for him. He wins his first MVP. And before Jamal Murray goes down in 2021, it really looks like Denver is going to the finals. But he gets you injured. You see, this team, yeah. they, got, they just got Aaron Gordon pretty fresh. Yeah, they got Aaron Gordon. Like, And then a week later, Jamal Murray gets hurt. And then um, 2022, Porter Jr. gets hurt. So Nikola Jokic is doing everything on his own. And wins another MVP is incredible. Just this year, averaging a triple-double, not getting the MVP, but winning the title. And then just easily dismantling the Lakers and the Suns. Like, everyone saying, oh, Denver's cooked. Like, there's no, they have no chance of winning and just proving everyone wrong. And then Nikola Jokic at the press conference saying, no, no, I need to go home. And then... <laughs> At the parade, he's like, actually, this is pretty great. I want the fucking parade. <laughs> he's so good. He's so likable. He's very likable. And then on top of that, Mike Malone just getting lit and sending all of the trash talk to everybody. It was great. Yeah. Did, did you see the clip of Jokic uh, where his horses, I think his, his horses won a competition. <laughs> yeah. And he was celebrating it harder <laughs> when they won the <laughs> When they won the championship, oh. what now a, we can go home. What <laughs> a first man, answer! What a what a summer for Jokic. NBA title, a horse championship <laughs> title. I don't know, man. And someone posted something really funny. It's like I think basketball is just a hobby for Jokic. He's the best. He's the best at it. It's crazy. Absolutely. All right. Yep. What is your next pick, sir? For Jokic, though, uh, before I go into my pick, I just want to shout out Jokic's. I think, yeah, going toe to toe with KD and and uh, Booker at Game Four where he scored fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably, one of, probably his highlight of his. And also the two, oh, the his crazy stupid buzzer beating shot clock buzzer beating uh, three pointers against the Lakers. Those were like really backbreaking. Oh yeah, I mean he just proved everyone wrong. He can score. As much as he wants, and people are like, he's not a bucket getter. Clearly, he's a bucket getter. He's not yeah. a clutch. He doesn't game. Well, he just did. Well, he doesn't have a ring. He just has a ring. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I picked the Lakers moment for the first one. Second moment. Uh, I'm gonna quote Mark Jones. I wonder if you'll get it. He said, uh, "He doesn't always come on time, but when he comes, he's not. Always- Wait. Fuck. I'm gonna edit that out." I don't know the quote, but basically, basically Jason Tatum's fourth quarter against the Sixers in Game Six of the semifinals. He was what one for fourteen or something, 
the first three quarters, and then he makes like five threes in the fourth quarter, <laughs> bringing the Celtics back, and forcing Game Seven. And, and we just did it in front of the Philly fans. <laughs> that was pretty great. Of we were teams. pretty, we were pretty down, and uh, yeah, we were pretty down because they're like, really, we're gonna lose to Philly. Like we never James lose. fucking Harden. Oh my god, he had this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you like sort of kind of you sort of kind of stole my my next moment. Um, I although I I low key wanted to save it for you, but the real thing that I had written down was James Harden having his the two best playoff games of his career against the Celtics since Oklahoma City, but still somehow bombing the rest so bad that the narrative around him did not change. Like, he, he destroyed us in game one and what was it, game, uh, game four, four or five? He destroyed yeah. us. And the narrative still didn't change. He had two game winners in that series. Or like two game clutch shots. <laughs> And still, like, the, like, no one gives a shit because he bombed so badly in the rest of the games. Like Game six and games... Oh, my God, yeah. He's... So, yeah, that was he... one, but I, I felt like I, I should give that to you. <laughs> that could be the next pick. I haven't technically... I didn't technically pick that, but... Uh, yeah, I, I guess was... so. <laughs> James Harden's sticking to the narrative. Okay, I'll give... <laughs> okay. It's still on the board. <laughs> I'll, I'll let. <laughs> I'll. I think I'll let you. I'll let you have a double pick. I'll. I'll trade that pick up to you. I think that's. You want that more than I do. I'll, <laughs> James Harden living up to the. Living up to the narrative. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll. I'll trade my pick up to you. So that's you have. You had two back to back picks. My back to back pick. All right. Yeah. Fine. I'll take it. <laughs> the hater in me. The hater in you. So, uh, I guess, does that mean I have back-to-back picks now? I guess I do, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, my my back-to-back picks, I'm going to go start off with just the Sacramento Kings Ooh. being in the playoffs. Like, I know they didn't win, and I didn't, I didn't expect them to beat Golden State, but they, they pushed Golden State to seven games. De'Aaron Fox was fantastic. The Kings, Mike Brown is such an elite coach. Like he, his in-game adjustments, game-to-game adjustments were fantastic. Um, I really admired what the Sacramento Kings did. I know they were just, they didn't just play like they were happy to be there. They were really going for it. So I would say Sacramento being in the playoffs and, you know, for the first time since Chris Webber in 2004, yeah. long playoff drought. Um I was just so thrilled for them to be there, and they actually competed. So I'm going Sacramento. They should have. They arguably should have won. I mean, if Harrison Barnes makes that game winner, yeah, in Game Three, Game Four, yeah, looking yeah, at three one for the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Sacramento is pretty great, and then the next one is, I would say, Miami being only the second. Are they the second eighth seed to ever make the finals? Yeah, I think the first were the 99 Knicks. So. The 99 Knicks. So just an in, improbable playoff run. Playoff. Do you gym. consider them an eight seed? They were the seventh seed at the end of the season, but they, they were fucked up the, the play. They seed. fucked the play in game up. Yeah, they did. Dude, they almost didn't even make it. They were losing. They in, almost against lost Chicago, the right? Yeah. 
Yeah, they almost they lost, lost to the Hawks Chicago, and they almost lost. They lost to the Hawks. They almost lost to Chicago. Yeah. So they really went from almost not being there to making it all the way to the end. All the like way to just the finals. On a crazy run, it just beating the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round was insane, and then uh, I mean beating the Knicks was not insane. I thought that they were going to, but the Knicks <laughs> were a good team. The Knicks were the Knicks team. were competitive actually. It the Knicks were competitive. Teams. And then, um, sadly, beating the Celtics, like they stomped us the first three games. Like it wasn't, it wasn't funny. How badly game three? The game three was terrible. Yeah, they beat us. They won the two home games. First two home games, they won them both. So I was like, wow, this this Heat team's something else. And you know, I'm always going to support Spo being Pinoy. But yeah, (laughs) Miami just having that run. It was it was so great to watch them with a bunch of undrafted guys as well. Just playing really important minutes. Kyle Lau- the fucking what what are they called? The the Heat, the Miami the Heat three, Caleb Martin. Oh Gabe uh, Vincent. Max Juice and Gabe Vincent. Like oh, I'm I Caleb Martin broke my heart in game seven. <laughs> I just the Celtics. I just love how Caleb Martin was Steph Curry versus the Celtics, and then was I don't know, uh Russell Westbrook. From three in the finals. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, dude. Yeah. He hit what, two threes the whole final series? He lost the yeah, it's of course he only stayed hot with this against the Celtics. For the yeah, whole exactly. series, he probably could have been yeah. uh conference finals MVP. Yeah, he could have been the imagine the two Larry Bird conference finals MVPs, Jason Tatum, Hilton. <laughs> Oh, That's worse yeah. than Andre Iguodala. At least Iguodala was a good... Was a, not, not that Kale is a, not a good player, but he was never an all-star. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that's the end of our... That's three picks each, right? Yes. I do have one more. It's not technically a playoff one, but it happened mm-hmm. during the playoffs. Um, and it's Joel Embiid winning the MVP and mostly for his reaction. So... I'm not oh, the, yeah. yeah, I'm not the biggest Embiid supporter. I don't hate him, don't love him, but don't hate him for sure. And just seeing him cry the way that he did, you can see how much that award meant to him. And I know like yep. some people were knocking, like, you should care more about the team, but like these individual things matter too. It's validation for all of the hard work that you put in. I mean, Joel Embiid came from where is he from? Is he from Cameroon? Where is he from? Cameroon, I think. Let me check. But yeah, he he was very definitely a touching moment. Yeah, and then especially yeah from Cameroon. So him having that moment, um, crying in the meeting when Doc Rivers announced that he was the MVP, and then it was especially touching when the Sixers were presenting it to him, and then his son ran up to him and then he started crying like that stuff like that always. You always have to cherish things like that. So I wanted to shout that out. So congratulations, Embiid. I'm very glad that he won that award. It was very well-deserved. Yeah, definitely deserved it this, this year. I, I, I know like the Jokic fans, they're saying maybe not, but... Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, Well-deserved award. R- regardless, he deserved it. If Jokic didn't play this year, I think Embiid is the MVP, personally. And I don't, I'm not mad that he got it. I'm very, very happy that he got it. Because it, it really meant that much to him. So, um, 
do you have anything else before we wrap this segment up and kind of get down to the uh to all of the uh, tra- I want to shout my honorable mention here of uh Steph Curry lighting the beam after scoring 50 in game seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, only only for his 50 in game seven. I forgot about that. I'm not gonna lie. Only for Jason Tatum to break his record like two weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> so he held the, the most points in game seven for two And then Jason ago. Tatum beat that two weeks later. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know what? Th- those two moments should that those should probably have been there. But yeah. I think that's just this, yeah. Steph Curry bias, Celtics bias. But yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the trades. We're going to start with the big one, at least for us Celtics fans. So, yeah, I mean, since the championship, like, there's been a lot, a lot happened in the NBA. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. So, the Kristaps Porzingis trade, as it's known, the full scope of the trade is that the Celtics get Kristaps Porzingis from the Wizards and a first round pick. Um, the Grizzlies get Marcus Smart. And the Washington Wizards get Tyus Jones, Gallo, Mike Muscala, and the 35th pick. Mike um, Muscala, no! I know! <laughs> um, and, of course, we signed Jalen Brown to what was the richest deal in NBA history until yesterday. Um, because of the yearly, yeah. the, yearly, the yearly salary of Davis is bigger than Brown's. Is that why? It oh, is. Oh, shit. Damn. So... Um, let's talk about it. What do you think of the trade overall? How do you think Porzingis fits in? Um, oh, you know what? Before I go there, can you believe that we were this close to getting Porzingis and only really losing Malcolm Brogdon? <laughs> then we lost Smart instead. <laughs> then we lost Smart instead, which sucks. But I think there was like a medical issue with Brogdon going to the Clippers. So that sucks. But we lost Marcus Smart, but we are getting who I think is the better player. Now, how yeah, yeah. everything KP, fits yeah. in. I, yeah. I'm apprehensive because I, I I didn't really watch the Wizards last year, to be honest. But it looks like KP is do, was doing fine. Like he didn't miss many games. I think that was his biggest like issue before was 100%. like his his health. Um, but like as an archetype, I like I like the fit in Boston. It gives him another big Relieved to relieve Al because Al, 100%. Al Horford was, was, I mean, love him, love him to death, but he was definitely like running out of gas towards he's, the end of the playoffs. He's last. 37, he's 37, yeah, exactly. so it, it's hard to blame him because he's old, exactly. Exactly. So it will give them some good big depth and also like Rob Williams insurance, yeah, still on the team. I mean, Rob Williams, man, like he sh- he should have been taking minutes from Horford, but he gets injured too much or like is too specialized in this role. Like he's not always like he was a good adjustment to have against Philly, but not suitable in Miami too much because of the spacing issues against Miami. Uh, right. But, yeah, but with KP, we have like a shooter. He also should be a good rim protector. I mean, we know that, and as long as he doesn't do try to do too much on offense, I think. This is a good fit for him as well on the, on the roster. Like second slash third, no, third, maybe even second option sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really sad to see Smart go though. Like he was a Celtic. He was there since we got, since we, since college, our uni days, I think. If I'm since not wrong. college. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so 
it's really sad to see him go. It's unfortunate for all as well for Gallo. He was supposed to be a key rotation piece last year, but now we don't get to see that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Cape... I, I like the concept of KP on the Celtics. We'll see how it goes because I think one thing also people have pointed out is that Smart was probably our best passer. Yeah. And now we don't have... Now mm-hmm. who, who's that going to be? Brogdon... Hopefully Tatum and Tatum and it really has to be Tatum and Brown, but yeah, they have like they've shown flashes, but the, the, especially Brown, but they, yeah. they're not, not. Yeah, they're not at that level. I would I would agree with that. I think losing Smart just feels like losing the heart of the team in a way. Like he, you know, with just his defensive versatility as a guard um, was such a key. Like. The Celtics could put Smart basically on almost any one to four. Like he could guard one to four. Um, he was guarding Embiid sometimes, right? Like he was guarding Embiid at times. <laughs> and then, like, Smart's good enough to guard Embiid for like three seconds. That's just enough time for the defense to recover and send help. And Smart, like, I remember in games against um, the Cavs when LeBron was still there, Smart was guarding LeBron and actually gave him yeah. a little bit of trouble, not a lot, because Smart's five inches shorter but the fact that he can kind of hold up against prime lebron that's that kind of says something so it really sucks to lose him and he's definitely our best playmaker although i thought that he took a step back this year uh from a playmaking standpoint he was i think he was better last year um so maybe that's why they thought you know yeah maybe that's why they thought losing him was worth it um maybe it's all maybe not to do with scheme as well because I mean, last year he won Defensive Player of the Year, and then this year the Celtics defense wasn't as good. It was still mm-hmm. top, but it was, it was top five. Yeah, it was still like it was good on paper, but I feel like especially on in the in the playoffs, it wasn't uh, as yeah. consistent. Yeah, I agree. I think the Celtics just as a team were inconsistent, so I think that's yeah. more of a both ends as well. Yeah, yeah, a coaching problem. I mean, it's hard when Missoula, like I said before, doesn't get time to really plan his full playbook and then losing one of your sideline assistants in the middle of mm-hmm. the year that's just so tough like um who was it damon stoudemire who apparently mm-hmm. is very influential and very smart like that that was rough so when you're down a man like that and your coaching staff's not full then you know i sort of understand it it's that's tough so the porzingis trade aspect of this i like it because like you said, it is it's Al Horford and Rob Williams insurance, right? Because those two, like Al is still a great, good defender. He's maybe losing some gas, and he you kind of saw him get picked on a little bit in the playoffs. Uh, and then Rob's health is not great. I think the big thing that he's Porzingis is here for is he shot 30, 38.5% on five and a half shots from three, while at the same time. Um, opponents shot 11% worse at the rim against him, and that's contesting eight defensive field goals at the rim. So he's a good rim protector and a good three-point shooter. So he kind of combines two of the things Al and Rob do. Like, we get the elite rim protection, we get good three-point shooting, but we can never have them at the same time from the center position, and now we do. And he's also if he's also like fairly switchable, at least in theory. 
you know, somewhat. I think Porzingis will probably be played more similarly to Rob in that he's more of yeah. a drop big. He he does struggle against smaller guards, but him being seven three, he can kind of back off and still I still able I, to contest. Yeah, I want to say that there's enough defensive infrastructure around them to cover for that. He's not super mobile and um we'll see. It just it kind of depends on their rotation, how much Al and Rob are gonna be actually playing. Um, but I think from an offensive standpoint, he's far and away the best big man player. And he's probably the best mm. player outside of the Jays. And yeah. I don't think I think that's pretty easy. Um, the big thing that I saw from Chris Stops this year, I like I almost considered him to be an all-star this year. That's how good he was. It's not just the shooting, he's his rolling is better, his offensive rebounding is still pretty good, but the thing that really impressed me is that now he actually can punish mismatches. Like Ooh. he was starting a post up and actually had a post up game. Whereas remember in New York and Dallas, he just like really yeah. like was not. That's good. what everyone like hated him on hated for. Yeah. Hated on him for. Yeah. Exactly. But I think now in the NBA, we're not expecting him to be this big bruiser. He can use things that he's good at, but he's also improved on his isolation one-on-one game so we can throw it down low to him he can punish a mismatch if that exists and then i mean he's a decent enough passer we could put him we could run delay sets with him or we can do low post splits um because one of the favorite sets that the celtics ran was horns action with smart and then the jays on the elbows with al and another shooter probably white in the corners and they got a lot of good stuff out of that they spammed it a little bit because they didn't have much else. But <laughs> I could just imagine um, the stuff that they could do from a low post split standpoint with him. Um, maybe they're running Porzingis off of screens, which he did in Washington mm. every so often. I think this is a great trade for the Celtics. Losing smart hurts, though, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And I, I guess who... Yeah. I think... Uh... It definitely should help with the rotation, and because we we kind of had, um, yeah, especially when Rob and Al had like injury uh, health issues, then it would be like you're looking at Mike Muscala or Blake Griffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess before we move on to the to the next team, the guard room is kind of thin now. So we have Derek White, and Malcolm Brogdon. Um, so yes. is this? Is this a, do we trust Peyton Pritchard more? Does he get a bigger role? What are your thoughts? I th- he has to, right? I think, wasn't there a rumor where he requested a trade? Because <laughs> he, he wanted to get playtime. Yeah, and I understand that. But I think... <laughs> Peyton Pritchard, you're not going to demand trade requests, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, remember in the playoffs, he just like, was asked to just randomly play a game. He hit a bunch of threes. And then he was like, that's what yeah. I do. I'm like, I love that. So I think Peyton Pritchard. That's true. Ceiling, he's a good player. He's a good player. Confident player. He's a good shooter. And he can do some playmaking. So maybe that's where his role is. But I don't see him playing more than 15 minutes, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, they, he's still behind White and Brogdon. Although if Brogdon's health issues are a thing, he maybe becomes 
the second guard, like the first guard off the bench. So we'll see. Yeah, I I think there'll be more. I think there'll be games where he plays more than fifteen, but yeah, definitely, especially if he's hot. Yeah, but the the problem with him is a bit small, right? So I yes. Jimmy like just that game one, I think again the conference finals just ate him alive. Yeah, yeah. so that is but, it. Yeah, yeah, but he's rugged. He's tough. He won't back down. So that's I'll take sure. that. I guess. Should we talk fast about PP. the fast PP? Should we talk about the grizzly side of this? Because they got Marcus Smart. They yeah, I think that's a big, that's a big addition. Better Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart. I'm like, oh my god, what, what a move for them! Brilliant. It's actually, they get like some veteran presence as well to help calm them down. Friends. Yep. And, and um, yeah, he's better than Dylan Brooks. So yeah, easily. They have the last two defensive players of the year. That's actually crazy. Crazy on the same. Wow. On the same team, it's really good. That's it. Yeah, I think it's a really good move for Grizz for the Grizz. Fantastic. They had, obviously, had a whole other two when Brooks went to Houston. Yeah. Um, for he'd be a good off guard for Ja, assuming. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it'll be point while Ja is serving his suspension. <laughs> Absolutely. I think. Yeah, I think while Ja is serving his suspension, Smart will be kind of a good buffer, and then when they come back, just he's a better defender and offensive player. Things I think are just going to make much more sense from the standpoint of the ball will actually go in the hoop more often. <laughs> no disrespect to Dylan Brooks, but his his decision making was it was pretty bad. Yeah, I think it, Smart also takes questionable shots sometimes, but. Not he's able to, I think he, he, yeah, not to, not to Dylan, Dylan Brooks' extent. And he's also learned like when to pick his spots a little bit more over the years. Absolutely. Shall we move on to the, I guess this is the block, blockbuster trade of, uh, of the yes. offseason. Of the offseason. Until, until another one happens potentially. But um, the Phoenix Suns acquire Bradley Beal. Um, they acquire Bradley Beal in a trade, in a three-team trade. Um, the Suns basically get Bradley Beal, and it's Jordan Goodwin from Washington. The Wizards get uh, Chris Paul. Huh. My, wow. Chris Paul. My, Chris Paul. They, they tell sorry, you finish Paul it. My, my, my safari is acting funny. It's I don't okay. know what's going on. So... so Suns get B- Bradley Beal and Jordan Goodwin. I was going to say Archie, but it's Jordan apparently. The Wizards yes. get Chris Paul temporarily, Jor- uh, Landry <laughs> Shamet, <laughs> and seventh pick Bilal Koulibaly, who I don't know about, who I don't know much mm. about. And a buttload of picks, as you wrote here. On the but, left, on the buttload of picks. <laughs> Not feel like writing all of them out. Okay. Yeah. I, pu- I pull it up and- on my dock on the phone, so I'm good now. Somehow the the Pacers the Pacers were also involved in this getting eighth pick Jairus Walker. Yes, and more picks. And more picks. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bradley Beal. I he requested the trade. He had he was what one of the how many players had have no trade clauses? So there's a very weird like seven trade like cycle. <laughs> so in this, who, who had the no trade clause? It was like Tim Duncan. In history, David right? Robinson, in history. yeah, in history. David Robinson, um, 
like elite Hall of Famers, and then no Carmelo just, Anthony. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony, I think he's definitely Hall of Famer, and then it's Bradley Beal. Like, yeah, the Wizards really the, messed up there. Yeah, they fucked up. So that like removed all leverage from any negotiating, and that's why they they got fleeced in a way. Like, I think a buttload of picks, but I don't think any of them are particularly impressive. <laughs> Yeah, so like what they left with Landry Shamit, and uh, let's see how this seven Bilal yeah. Kulibaly turns out. <laughs> I've heard I've heard fantastic things about Kulibaly. So he's a 19 year old. He was Victor Wembanyama's teammate on Mets '92, um, and everyone is saying like he's basically he looks like he could become guard Scottie Pippen from a defensive standpoint. I'm like, so like a I was wow wing stopper, pretty much like he's a. He's a like six three ish point guard, but he has like a, an almost seven foot wingspan. Jesus. Really good defensively, high motor, very raw on the offensive end. Not a good shooter, but he could develop that. But I think Sounds people like are excited about. Yeah, I think people are excited about his defensive potential. So, all right, he's mm-hmm. very raw, but he's only nineteen. So. I've heard a lot of good things, and he has a lot of upside. People are like, he could be very well be the second best player from this draft. But oh, wow. I think Bradley Beal is, of course, the big thing. How do you think he fits in playing next to Durant and Booker and Aiton? I I can see like I can see it fitting pretty seamlessly. They're all like Booker, Durant, KD. It's not the Hito situation where you have two dominant ball handlers. I think they all can be both on and off the ball. Yes. So they shouldn't they their skill sets should be able to complement each other. Yeah. At least on yeah. the offensively. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not sure though how it'll work in terms of positioning. Will they put Booker at the one now? Uh they're gonna get someone else to play the point. Yeah, yeah. I Katie the power yeah. forward. <laughs> I mean, do they? I think I have a feeling regardless, KD is going to be their power forward just because yeah. they, they they probably want to keep him they, defensively at the rim. Yeah. Because that's... They were that's, pretty much playing him power forward last year. Yeah, because like his, his defensive skill set is, is really like the big thing he does is rim protection. So um, I feel like they'll keep Kevin in the back. I've heard it's going to be kind of Booker and Beal kind of being their point guard so that Josh Okoge can start. Um, mm. I think from an offensive standpoint, the great thing that Beal does for them is attacking the rim. So Beal's an, a good off-ball player. Not He's not been the best three-point shooter, but Bradley Beal gets Who else rim. are they guarding in Washington, though? Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point. But um, AP, as we were just talking about earlier. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, I would say Bradley Beal gets to the rim both on and off ball. I would say. Um, I had I had the stats pulled up, and then my Safari was is was being walk in shut off randomly. So oh, I'm no. just stalling to try to pull this up, but <laughs> um. If we look at drives per game, let's see. Where is Bradley Beal? This is a great podcasting, by the well, way. Well, 
well, you bring up the stats. Like that definitely was one of their weaknesses last year. Like yes. pretty much KD and Booker were just living on a diet of mid of tough mid-range jump shots, which they made for like a couple of games, especially against the Sun, uh the Nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that eventually ran out. Exactly. Okay, here we go. Bradley Beal was in the top 10 in drives per game. So that's that's kind of the thing that they need, right? So he fits yep. in perfectly and he can get to the rim both on and off ball, uh, which I think is huge. I don't think his cutting stats were um, super great, but I know from watching him on film, he's able to do it. And I think when, if the system is better around him um, he, and he doesn't have to do all of the ball handling duties, he can, he'll be cutting more. So I like that from that standpoint. Plus he's an underrated playmaker. So I think that helps as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one thing, one thing for Beal is that he'll that he'll finally be in a back in the, like a winning situation. The mm-hmm. like the last few years in Washington have we basically was forgot for, forgotten star. Not really forgotten because we know he'll he's good, but yeah, he wasn't playing meaningful basketball, and now he's going to be playing meaningful basketball again. Absolutely, and he'll likely be trying trying harder and things like that. <laughs> Absolutely. And it makes a big difference for, for some players as well. I think so too. Um, do you, what are your thoughts on him saying, I need to get back to being a two-way player? Yeah, that's probably part of it. Like, he, he just didn't give a shit anymore in Washington. Do you think he was ever that good on defense, though? Yeah. Um, not that, I don't recall him having any, like, Stellar defensive highlights from what I but doesn't and he's not doesn't have the reputation either. No, but I will say when I I watched film of him, I don't think he was ever an all NBA guy. But you actually like I didn't have to look that hard to find even last year good defensive possessions from him. Mm. From an on ball standpoint, mostly his helping could use some work, but. Maybe that's where Frank Vogel comes in. But yes. from an on-ball standpoint, I'm like, okay, Bill's not, not terrible. I think he's probably neutral, which is, you know, I think that's good enough. And if, especially if what we saw from Devin Booker in the playoffs from a defensive standpoint, if that turns into a real thing, that's, mm. that's huge for, for Phoenix. Um, yeah. We didn't get to it in the in the playoff in the in our playoff draft, but Devin Booker was one of the highlights of the playoffs as well. He was easily, easily, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, I think let's talk about some of their additions as well. They signed uh, all these guys for cheap: Utah Watanabe, Bol Bol, Gordon, and Chimezi Metu. Um, so clearly, like they're looking for largely from these guys defense. And some shooting, right? To complement to complement their stars. And I, you know, and they've retained Josh Akogi. Um, so do you have any thoughts on any of those guys? Like, do you like um any of those stand out to you? I mean, the biggest name here is Eric Gordon, mm-hmm. just because of reputation. I think it definitely gives them insurance when it Katie inevitably even assists some games, he they'll they'll still have yeah. some scoring. <laughs> or at least an option to score. Um, but I think I, I know Utah is like a 
supposed to he was good on defense last last year if I'm not wrong with the Nets, right? Was yeah. The Nets last year. He was with the Nets. Good corner um, three-point shooter for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's why they got him cuz Katie liked him. That's the history of that. That's why that's why Bruce Brown was a Brooklyn Net. Yeah, there you go. Um I did I did want to touch on Jordan Goodwin because mm. I think he's kind of an underrated part of the trade because Jordan Goodwin really good point of attack defender. And so I thought that that was a really sneaky thing that the the um the Suns were able to get him offensively not the most productive but you know this team needs defense more than anything and you don't they like other than him they don't really have any good point of attack defenders so i think jordan goodwin's going to be kind of key coming off the bench for them there's even a chance that they could start goodwin beside beal booker kd and aiden um yeah one more question for you before we kind of move on from this um, would you agree that Frank Vogel is Loki their most important addition this offseason? Yeah, actually, I, I think I think it's he's probably the perfect coach for this situation because the offense is going to figure itself out. These players are too good for them not to have a good offense, right? Mm-hmm. And Frank Vogel, as we've seen in back all the way since the Pacers, and as recently as with the late, the twenty twenty Lakers. And even the 2021 Lakers, um, he knows how to build good defenses. Um, what will be interesting here is whether the person <laughs> he has the he has the personnel, right? Theoretically, he does. I mean, Aiton yeah. Aiton definitely like lost the ear of uh, of Monty Williams last year, so maybe having a new coach will help yeah. him get back get reengaged, especially on defense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Frank Vogel. Will at least make them competent. The scheme will be there with him at the with him at the helm. Yeah. I think in 2022, Aiton was a firm positive on the defensive end. When Katie's engaged, I think he's a firm positive. When Booker has been kind of a neutral defender to me, but in the playoffs, he was a very firm positive. Bradley Beal has the chance to be a firm positive. So he has some tools to work with. And I think if, you know, their um, their mindset improves, they, they could have a good enough defense. Like, they don't have to have the best defense in the NBA. But if they have a top 10 defense, then I think that's, like, I could easily see them being, like, the team to beat, right? They could, they could win the title if their defense is good enough. I think the question is, will it be? Will it be good enough? We're yet to see. Like, will they listen? Will Aiton want out because he's not going to get his touches anymore? You know, so yeah, we'll see. That's the big question mark. Like, they potentially could turn Aiton into something. Although they've tried already the last couple of years, so I'm sure they've looked into that because he's been unhappy there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any any other thoughts before we move on to the the next set of trades? No, no. Uh, we can move on to, I think, we kind of alluded to it earlier, the Wizards got CP for yep. a hot second. <laughs> for a literal second. And yep. then now, yeah, now he got traded to the Warriors for Jordan Poole, ending the Poole-Green uh, drama, I guess, hopefully, uh-huh. for the Warriors. 
Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Chris Paul to the Warriors. Never thought I would see Chris Paul and Steph Curry on the same team. Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree with that. That's that's just such a weird thing to see considering they low-key had a, a semi-rivalry. Um, yeah. I think my bigger concern with it is Draymond kind of flat out said he did not like Chris Paul. Yeah. And Draymond already has a history Very publicly of, on his pod. Yeah. Uh, he already has a history of, you know, punching a teammate. Um, and Draymond, I just, it doesn't seem, like, he keeps saying, yeah, I take responsibility for it. But then, like, he'll go on another podcast and say, there's just some things that you don't say to another man. I'm like, um, a year later, and you're only saying this now? Like, Yeah, I'm re- really questioning, like, Draymond's yeah, leadership. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm not going to, you know, sit here and say too much about Draymond because I don't know the full situation. But at the same time, it's like, if you can lose your cool like that and you did, like, maybe Jordan Poole did say something really bad to him. So why are we only, why are you only alluding to that like a year later? It's kind of fishy. Like, if you're yep. going to lose your cool like that to, Jordan Poole, how are you going to handle Chris Paul? Like, Chris Paul may not say anything that disrespectful, but he will get in your face. Like, Chris Paul is a very much a no-bullshit kind of guy. So how yeah. are you going to handle Chris Paul? Like, I don't... Like, I, how is that personality mismatch? Like, is it going to be enough that they want to win a title, that they're going to put aside, like, aside their differences? I don't know. I just, I, that was kind of my first thought. I really don't care about Steph and Chris Paul. They're going to be fine. Yeah. From Steph a personality is standpoint. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure Chris Paul will be fine at this point. I don't think he cares. It's Draymond that I'm worried about. Yeah. And I don't, I, I think we talked about this offline, but he, the Warriors haven't really kept him, at least outside looking in. I don't know what happened indoors, but they kind of just slap him on the wrist whenever he does these things. Yeah. All the way back to KD, his fight with KD, which eventually was actually the catalyst for him leaving the Warriors. Exactly. And this whole Jordan Poole last year. It was never it never felt right with the Warriors last year. It all stemmed from that. It it definitely incident. did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Draymond admitted, you know, on his own podcast, he can't quite be the leader that he has been because he yeah. has to walk on eggshells. And whose fault think, is that, bro? Yeah, exactly. And KD allude, has alluded to this multiple times. Like, he doesn't like that. Yeah, that happened, but everyone just pretended like nothing happened. And he did not appreciate that. So it's just like, yeah, Draymond has been such an important player for their four titles because of his, he's a generational defensive player. But I also can't help but think, like, he's also the, the, at the root or at least partially involved in a lot of their issues. Yeah, I mean, before he was good enough to say, like, you can take the bad with the good. But the good isn't, like, he's he's aging. The good isn't as good anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Or it's if, starting to decline, at least. He's starting to decline. If Draymond returns to, like, even his 2022 defense, then great. Then maybe yeah. you can tolerate it. But... 
if it was the 20, 2023, he was not quite as sharp, I would say. Still very good. I would still say he's all NBA caliber. If he can at least stay there and things between him and Chris Paul are all right, then they should be fine. Um, my big question to you is, what's their best lineup? Yeah, I and saw I saw I almost I, saw... I almost know what you're gonna say. And then my question is, are we sure? I saw a picture of this, right? Uh, someone said, who's going to beat this lineup? It's Chris Paul, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. And the comments are all like, this team, this, this team is too short. And I think they definitely have a point. I'm not sure if it is their best lineup. It might yeah. be a closing lineup for some matchups. But I might stick to the starting lineup from last year, actually. So Loon instead of Paul? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think based might... on the matchup, that's probably where they go. Um, but man, that's... I think from an offensive standpoint, that probably is their best lineup. But I'm just like, okay, well, who's guarding who when they play Phoenix? Yeah, because on defense, right, you're going to put way too much... Like, Steph and Chris Paul, especially Chris Paul at this age, they're they're gonna get cooked on defense. It's like yeah, yeah. They're and that'll put a lot of pressure on Wiggins and Draymond to uh to to help. And I think someone someone I think uh will just put way too much pressure. Yeah, too much workload on them, and Draymond will probably get injured if they're doing this in the playoff, or or he'll just get really tired. Yeah, in the first part of the season, you know. Yeah. But so then I guess that naturally leads into the next question, which I all of that, all of your points, I pretty much agree with you, by the way. So then do you think their depth is good enough? Because if their depth is good enough, maybe they give are able to give some of their older stars adequate rest. Do you think that their depth is good enough? One person that we forgot to mention is that they signed Dario Saric, who Chris Paul mm-hmm. has played with before in Phoenix. Yeah. Thoughts on that? I think they, they definitely have players on the bench that are that could be that are good that could be good contributors. Um Sarge I think would fit well with the Warriors. Um could probably potentially play that Bellinelli uh what's his name? Not Bellinelli, um Bellinelli. <laughs> not Bellinelli. Crap, what the name is escaping me. Who play who who is their Bielitsa? Oh Bielitsa, yeah, yeah, yeah. During especially during the regular season when they need Players to have a sort. They need a longer rotation. Um, yeah, I mean, we need. They're definitely gonna rely on like their young ones to develop. So yeah. the cum bucket <laughs> <laughs> and, and Moses Moody. Um, but then those are the, <laughs> they need those two guys to step forward. I mean, Kaminga has all the it's all the tools to be. Another like an Igodala type, especially on defense. Not I don't think their offensive games are pretty are similar at all. But yeah. Yeah, just, big, big, big question on those two. Yeah. Guys. I think, yeah, I think from the a depth standpoint, Chris Paul and Sarge off the bench in that two-man game, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Sarge can somewhat shoot and you can run delay sets with him which is great yeah. for Stephen Curry as well when he gets to play with him. Um, 
So I, I, I think that the depth's a little better from a stability standpoint because you never knew what you were getting from Jordan Poole. You just didn't. Yeah. Especially when him not starting. He clearly played better when he started. It was very obvious. Like He was not suited yeah. for a role, to be honest. So I think their depth is better, but they're still, they still don't have much from a wing standpoint. And Kuminga, yeah. He doesn't have the Otto Porters and the yeah, Toscano yeah. Andersons. <laughs> Kuminga definitely has the physical tools, but I I don't feel like he reads the game anywhere close to Igudala. Yeah, it, like, he makes a lot of mistakes, and pe- I I I know people a lot were asking a lot like, well, why why does Kuminga have such a short leash, but Anthony Lamb doesn't? And I'm like, <laughs> like guys, what are you talking about? Kuminga makes a lot of mistakes. Like a lot of mistakes to the point where you, like you know, like as a second year player who's not gotten a lot of time, he's he's going to give up some points, but he's giving up a lot of points. Yeah, not that Moody was bad. I think the the short leash on Moody thing that's pretty fair. I think they mm-hmm. should give him a little more in because I don't think he's that bad. But one, at least one of those guys has to be a, become playable, consistently playable. Yep. For this Warriors team to actually especially in the playoffs, are, especially in the playoffs, and if they're both playable, fantastic. Because Clay is probably going to get hurt, Wiggins is probably going to get hurt, Chris Paul is probably going to get hurt, Steph's probably going to get hurt, Draymond's probably going to get hurt. Flash yeah. need rest. So, do do you think Paul will, will be happy off the bench? No. Yeah, that's that's another thing, right? Um, yeah. Although uh, they. I like the idea that they brought the some Warriors fans have brought up that he could be like the Sean Le- Sean Livingston type role in the second unit, but I don't know if he'll be he'll be happy with that role. I kind of <laughs> like that. Bench. Yeah, I kind of like that. Um, last question before we um, finish out with the rest of the trades, which will go much quicker on. Um, are they switching over to the Jim Park offense? Not while Steve Kerr is around, apparently, uh, supposedly. I mean, maybe I'm when Chris sure. Paul is running things. <laughs> yeah, I actually think they'll do a little more pick and roll than they have in the past. But like, I, I don't. Especially Chris what, Paul, you have to. Yeah, uh, but I don't. I really don't care what Jim Park's statistics are and his poor read on the game. Like, uh, if you're not running Steph ball. off ball, it's a mistake. It, we follow like, way too many Warriors fans on our Twitter. I think it's. I don't. Fo- we don't follow him. He is very entertaining. I will that. I I love <laughs> his Twitter page because it's really funny. Yeah, you literally straight up asked him, "Would you do a better job than Steve Kerr?" And he's like, and he said yes. yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like all right, all right, bro. I want that belief in myself that he has in him. I want. I wish I. I. I definitely wish I had his confidence. His. His. He's got a lot of confidence. I will. I will give him that. Um. All right. So let's. Um. We'll go through a couple more. A couple more. Yeah, close this out a little more quickly. Close this out. So, um, the Celtics also traded. Grant Williams to Dallas, and then Dallas re-signed Kyrie Irving, and they recently signed Seth Curry. Um, 
we won't get into the trade details because there's not much really. It's mostly on the Mavs. They're getting Grant Williams and Seth Curry. And retaining Kyrie. Resigning Kyrie, of course. Yeah. So thoughts on the Mavs? Like, I like that the Mavs replaced Dorian Finney-Smith with Grant Williams. I would say DFS is still a better player, but it's a a decent option. And they just gave up Reggie Bullock and a couple of picks. So, I mean, to replace Reggie Bullock, they got Seth. And yeah, I think it's... The good moves they they were definitely missing a wing defender after DFS left. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So, that, so Grant Williams can provide. I'll definitely miss him as a Celtic from the Celtics. Um, although he wasn't getting playtime anyway, so yeah, towards the end, and I love. I guess I should have drafted this in my favorite moments, but I can't because of Celtics fan. But um, I like how he said, "I'm gonna make both of them in and brick two free throws." <laughs> I'm gonna make them both. I'll make them both and then clank them both. Oh. Clank them both. Like, oh, dude. I love the confidence. And I, I always liked Grant Williams because he was never afraid, um, you know, to never afraid to go after it. But yeah, yeah he was always I mean, a very confident player. It sucks. He, he went right. Yeah. He talked trash right to Jimmy. And that, that was so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, I, I, like, I like it. But I also like, fuck. <laughs> Jimmy, come on. Yeah. Not the but gym. he's not going to back down, which I appreciate. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, I definitely like that they, the Mavs have got replaced DFS in a way. Big, rugged defender that can somewhat shoot. Um, have retained Kyrie so that you have your second star with Luka and then Seth Curry. Luka loved playing with Seth Curry. Yeah. Like, so that, that was really smart of them to re-sign Seth Curry. He has a shooter. Luka loves finding shooters. So. Um, I think the Mavs could be deadly, but a lot of this is going to depend on um, kind of depend on Luca's conditioning. Playing defense, yeah, and defense. But is there enough defense? Do you think? Yeah, that's that's the thing with the Mavs. I think we'll get into it when we do our eventually do our previews. But still, going to be a question mark for this team. I think is their defense. I mean, Seth Curry isn't going to stop anyone, right? Neither are Kyrie and Luca. Yeah. And I, I like their centers defensively, but neither of them mm-hmm. are exactly all NBA caliber. Powell and Kleba, they're good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, is how good is Luca going to be on the defensive end, especially? How conditioned is he going to be? He's playing in the World Cup. So. Yeah. So that's going to be a question mark. Although it means he, he might start the season in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. But remember what we saw last year. He was good during the qualifiers and then kind of got out of shape after that. Like, Luca looked buff mm. in the summer and then just gets to get to the season like, oh, he's fat again. He gets back to Texas and the barbecue gets him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's, that's the Mavs standpoint. Any closing thoughts on the Mavs? I'm happy the Lakers did try to get Kyrie. <laughs> Well, speaking of the Lakers... Which moves on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, which moves on to the next one. So <laughs> the Lakers didn't really have many any trades, but they've had some pretty good signings. So um, they've retained D'Lo. They've signed Gabe Vincent, Cam Reddish, Torian Prince, and Jackson Hayes. And then as of yesterday, I think, 
extended AD to what is now the richest deal in the NBA, making 62, 62 million dollars a year. <laughs> uh, he's got a big bag. Is he going to be able to carry it or is he going to throw his shoulder out? Um, oh, God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, he was relatively healthy. He, he, he was relatively healthy this year. Playoffs. I'm, I'm not yeah. wishing for AD to, to be um, unhealthy because he's easily one he could be a top five player when healthy it's just um he actually has played more games than kd and steph curry in the last three seasons so cannot get reputation too much but it is a reputation and honestly like steph and kd's injuries were almost all freak accidents yeah and ad's are too but like it just happens so much like he's always grasping something it's really i I don't like the way he falls I don't like how he falls and yeah. it just ends up like he always like grass like always gets up grimacing. It's always it's always yeah. scary. Yeah. From a Lakers um, fan view. For sure. No, he's he's always hurt. Like he's always gri- gripping something. Yep. I could just like from from a medical standpoint, I'm just looking at it like holy shit, this this dude is constantly getting hurt. It's just a matter of time before something takes it over the edge. So um, but let's so, what are your thoughts on on all of these guys? Like, do you do you like as a Lakers fan? Do you like the trades? I like what I like what they're going for. Like Gabe Vincent, he showed in the last year's playoff. He, he's a good. He, he can be a good shooter, and he's a good good enough defender to stay on the court at the very least. And it, it's actually good. Um, Cam Reddish showed some flashes in New York, but yes, yeah, never but, got. So but, now maybe he has some opportunity with the Lakers. Yeah. Torian okay. Prince, I like as well as a wing defender. So it's just reinforcing their uh, their defensive identity, which I think was what made them a good team last year. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I and think... Jackson Hayes as well, like another big guy. Yeah. That's in the Rui Hachimura <laughs> size. We saw. Yeah. Gabe can relieve. Uh, what's his name? Can relieve AD of like having to guard the big man and let him do what he does best, which is roam and play on. Play on the uh, help yeah. side. Um, I think yeah. the big thing Jackson Hayes brings is he's a lob threat off the bench. Very, he's smaller than AD, but he's bouncy. So mm-hmm. off the bench, you always you you will in theory have forty eight minutes of a lob threat if you wanted it. Mm-hmm. And I actually really like all of these additions. All of these guys are two way guys. And I remember early in the season last year, my concern with the Lakers was okay, they have to basically pick. If they want offensive oriented lineup or a defensive oriented lineup, because they don't have two way guys. Well, now they have two way guys mm-hmm. and mul- a couple of guys off the bench. So, this Lakers team, and considering the run they just made, um, if health is on their side and if this Austin Reeves improvement is real, this AR 15, baby. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that this is a title contending team. I mean, they weren't. Yeah, they, like, I really love that they saw that it worked and they're sticking with it. Unlike what they've yeah, done in the exactly, past. exactly. So come on, Jeannie, keep it going. <laughs> I'm if they stand pat at this point, I think I think this is this is really solid um, stuff from them. The big thing is gotta be healthy, right? Health, yeah. health is number Especially one. Like, you're 21, LeBron. That we're <laughs> take, starting to take him for granted, to be honest. As absolutely, as fans like to point out so much. But he's he's still a really good player, by the way. All NBA still for sure. 
Um, let's let's move on to the next few teams and wrap this up. So Philly signs Mo Bamba and Pat Bev, but Philly also still has uh, Montrez Harrell, and they still have B-Ball Paul. Like, what are you doing? You also have the MVP at center, Jordan. <laughs> like, how many big men can you have behind? They like, want to give themselves behind? options. Like, okay, why? He, I mean, they have Nick Nurse now as coach, so you know, probably trot all four of them out there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But uh, I think the big thing from Philly is Harden requests a trade to the LA Clippers. And now I would like to introduce a new segment, <laughs> which is called the Carlos Harden Hater Hour. So please have the floor, sir. What do you want me to say? Like, just like, what's in your heart? He... What's in your heart? What, like, what, what were you? What more can be said? He's a quitter here. <laughs> when the going gets tough, Harden leaves. And you know, like he's still try. Like, he's probably gonna pull some shit what he did in Houston the last year. Yeah, he's gonna come to where he was like out. out of shit. <laughs> That's really gonna go well with uh with Embiid. Um, oh, dude. Like, <laughs> I just like. Okay, so he left. He's so Houston. talented, but he's so yeah. Just I don't know. I just I don't like know, he, so he left Houston. Forced his way out of Houston because, like, they had a pretty bad roster. Fine. So, you like force your way to play with KD and Kyrie in Brooklyn, right? The going gets tough. So, you go to Philly and in the press conference, you say, I actually wanted to come here. Okay. So, then a year yeah. and a half later, you're theoretically in the spot that you want. And now you want to leave again? Yeah. Like, why? Like, what? He just had what he playing with the MVP. They had the chance to make the conference finals, a really good chance. Yeah. It's they were they were up in the fourth quarter of, of the closeout game. Yeah, and he like wasn't good. Exactly. Like, so I don't like, know what I don't know what he wants. And then he wants to go to the Clippers and apparently the offer and this is just from like from Twitter, so I can't validate this at all. Apparently the Clippers like made very quote-unquote unserious offers because they weren't willing to give up much and it's like yeah i wouldn't give that much either because you don't know harden's gonna want to leave again and he's like he has one more year anyway right i think in his contract he harden signs an extension (laughs) he opted in opted in like what are you doing you could have been a free agent and left he's he probably wouldn't have gotten the money in the open market this way but yeah, he's proving time and again he's not a winning player. At least as a top, <laughs> top two, top two, right? Like we've seen top two right now. Yeah. Although now that they say that winning bias is coming into mind, he probably was a winning player in 2018. I think 2018 proved that. Yeah, definitely. But since then, it's just like been but, really, really icky. Um, so. That's that moves on to another player who asked for a trade, Damian Lillard. This one's he's <laughs> finally running from the grind. Yeah. <laughs> this one's actually a little more understandable because like wh- what has what is Portland doing? Done? Like what have they they traded CJ McCollum for basically younger, undeveloped CJ McCollum, drafted Scoot Henderson, but couldn't do anything with him. The biggest move that they made. To help was Jeremy Grant, which is fine, but Jeremy Grant's not exactly an all-star. And 
other than that, Matisse Tybal, like, I I think Jer- he gets to request the trade. Didn't Jeremy Grant like sign like a five year deal or something, and then yeah. like the day after, that's when Damian requested the trade. Yeah, not not ideal. <laughs> yeah, like so, it's hard because he. Yeah, he can't. He can't. He doesn't have any leverage, and he's trying to create leverage by insinuating that he's not going to try hard for the team if he doesn't end up with the team he wants, which is Miami. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah, the NBA has to step in. It's kind of weird. It's it's very weird. He doesn't run to the grind, but now he's gonna say this. He if he doesn't get traded to the where he wants, he's not gonna be happy. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I mean, I think you know, Dame has proven so many times that like, he wanted to stay in Portland, but at some point, it's like, all right, I'm 32. I gotta win now because my career could be over in three years. I don't like one injury can change that, and he's already had a few injuries, so. Yeah, um, I'm sure from Dame's perspective, like I don't blame him for um, making the trade request. And if I'm being honest, I just wish I almost am surprised something hasn't happened yet because Dame's been there forever. I would think that at this point, Portland has a lot of young assets. They, 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 they have Scoot. They have Scoot. They have Scoot and um, Anthony Simons. They got. They have Shaden Sharp off the bench. And they could put him in the starting role and get him developed. They picked another young guy that might be good. So they have young tools, and I think they still have picks. And if they sub next year, which they probably will, even if Dame stays, they'll have another young player to bring in. So do you have to get this awesome package back? Like, why can't you just do right by Dame after all he's given to Portland? Yeah, I think like that, yeah. But at some point, like maybe their relationship turns sour and they want to get what they the best package they can. Yeah. Um and really Dame doesn't have any leverage. He still has four years. He does not. He, yeah. He can't just fuck around where wherever he ends up as well. Yeah, he definitely can't. It's not Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if he went to Miami, oh my god, that's just so perfect. So perfect yeah. for them. So they have the defensive infrastructure that they don't need Dame to be a stud. They just need him to be solid. Like, not a total negative, a total bust. And they just have the guy who can create instant offense that they've been missing. And as great as Jimmy Butler is, like, he's not, he's not a one-man offense. And neither is Bam. And now if you bring Damon Lillard and take those responsibilities off Jimmy, Jimmy can just be, like, a supercharged... He could basically play a Scottie Pippen role do playmaking mm. he can cut he can defend at an elite level like and then when he needs to he can take over games so i really i would really love that for miami but yeah we'll have a we'll podcast when the trade is announced yeah um next trade i want to touch on um obi toppin got traded to the indiana pacers for two second round picks do you so regret for- your move yes <laughs> <laughs> So it's what's ironic about this is that Indiana is a very flat state and now they have just gotten a flat player. <laughs> He's perfect. He's on the perfect team. Perfect. He's in the perfect state. All right, last he one we wanted no to ass. I Sorry, we for, 
for the three of you that <laughs> listen to us, we we have to get an Obi Toppin's flat ass joke in the in the pod somehow. Um, uh. Last thing we wanted to touch on is that Spurs with the first pick have just drafted Victor Wembanyama. What are your expectations for Vic this year? I'm so excited to watch him on the Spurs. I mean, it's the perfect team for him. He has the French connection. He has really good vets. He already uh, beat the allegations against Britney Spears. So I think he's off to a good start. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe that. Ha- like, he's quite unfortunate. But, yeah. I think, do you think that he could he could be all NBA defense caliber right away? No, I, I honestly, it, he's coming from the sec, French second league. I don't, like, it might take him, there'll, there'll, there'll definitely be a learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. With the, how fast the NBA plays. But let's also remember, he did play in the EuroLeague. Yeah. No, but they were in the second tier. They played like occasionally, or did he did he move teams? They missed that. No, no, he moved teams. Like Mets ninety, he was only with Mets ninety two for a year. He played in the Euroleague before that, and not a lot of minutes, and he kept getting hurt. But he had some influence. Plus, he played, I think, in World Cup qualifiers, and held up. I mean, he mm. against grown men, he played pretty well. Not great, yeah. But well, for a seventeen year old. Yeah, I think he's gonna be good. I he should be. I mean, he has all this hype behind him, um, and he definitely yeah. has all the tools, right? He has. It'll be tool. interesting to see how much, how Pop handles of having, yeah, him on the team, and like how much learning he'll allow him to have as well. I think you Pop know, will be patient. This first have sucked for a while, so I think <laughs> that's Pop, true, that's true. he's learned Pop patience. Will be like, well, at least we're going somewhere now. <laughs> I hope he's not as. Like you can't expect him to be like Tim Duncan. Like Tim Duncan was fucking first team on NBA his first this first season. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, yeah, definitely have he's definitely more of a work on pro, work in progress. He act I I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't win Rookie of the Year and like Scoot or someone has a better first year. Yeah, absolutely. Especially um, counting stats wise. Yeah, but I think long term it's Vic. Like he really mm. does have MVP potential. I think. Um. Let's close this out. So we are going to cover, we may cover um, some of the World Cup that's coming up, FIBA World Cup, um, coming up at August 23, I think. Uh, we may I was cover really tempted to give w- you some live NBA coverage. But... Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, and then we may cover some WNBA finals and then the, the NBA season will be here before you know it. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we head out? No, um, I think we're most active on our Twitter. Shit, it's actually called X now. <laughs> oh yeah. But let us know what your thoughts. Um, let us know your thoughts on any of the NBA playoffs. I think we've interacted with a few people on Twitter anyway, so that's our most active platform. But we're also on Instagram. We have a website, gotsnextwordset.wordpress.com. Are you still? At, do you have any articles? upcoming not at the not at the moment just been so busy like i can't i can't do it yeah fair enough (laughs) yeah um i assume you're still on hardwood amino so yeah yeah basketball social media app at got next podcast and i think that's it for the show who's got next obi toppin's got next no he doesn't
<laughs> it's too flat. It's too flat. <laughs>